So it was about two years to like to transition from no real estate experience, not even being on the radar for me to leaving my W-2. And I had consistently, I'd say at least six days a week, most of the time, seven days a week, put at least an hour to two hours a day into real estate. You are an engineer. You're smart. You've worked hard. You've been dedicated to one of the world's most needed professions. And now it's your turn to build some passive income. This is Engineers That Invest. You want financial freedom and security, and we're about to teach you how to do it through investing in commercial real estate. On this show, you'll get educated and inspired on building that passive income. Get ready to learn how to retire on your own terms. This is Engineers That Invest, and now your host, Nde Kimbang. What's going on, people? Welcome to another episode of Engineers That Invest. Today, we got a great guest, my boy, Brandon Hicks. We actually met through a mastermind group that we're both in called the Action Academy. So it's a privilege to have him on a pod today. And we actually are in in an accountability group where we chat every week. So it was good to chop it up with my boy. With Brandon, he's actually, he actually worked as a mechanical engineer for 10 years in product development and for audio products and fitness equipment. So as a previous engineer at Bose and Peloton. And after a challenging start to 2020 with his W-2, he realized that his path was not leading to the life he desired. He discovered commercial real estate investing and joined coaching programs to jumpstart his education. And literally, just two years after that, when before he knew nothing about real estate, he left his engineering position to pursue self-storage investing full-time. So now he runs a self-storage acquisition business, sourcing value-add facilities, acquisitions, and wholesale. So he pretty much documents all of the lessons learned on his podcast, The School of Success. So also definitely make sure to check that out. Nonetheless, I'm telling you, in this episode, he drops gems. Imagine someone who did not know anything about real estate two years ago and now is full time. And through one deal, was able to make what he was making in an annual salary. As always, make sure to like and subscribe. Matter of fact, share this episode with someone who is also looking into getting into real estate and understand the benefits, or someone who is struggling right now their job to find other ways to make income. Trust me, it'll be worth it. Now to our episode with Mr. Brandon Hicks. Hey, what's up, Mr. Brandon Hicks? Action Academy pod number four. Yeah, thanks for having me. Oh, yeah, it's a lo- long time coming. Definitely. For the listeners, Brandon and I met actually within Action Academy, which is a mastermind that we're both in, and then we're in the same pod. So we meet weekly to see how our goals are going and our life goals and missions with what we're lo- doing in terms of success. So thanks again for being able to come on today. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, before we get started, I would love to know 
a general background about you. Could you tell us about your life and career as an engineer before you started investing in commercial real estate? Yeah, so I'm from Massachusetts, went to engineering school, UMass Amherst, about 40, 40 minutes up the road, and kind of followed that traditional path. I got good grades, went to college, became an engineer, and then I worked as a mechanical engineer for 10 years in new product development, doing audio products, and then eventually fitness equipment. So I did that for a number of years and, and really enjoyed it. But during the pandemic, when the world shut down and we couldn't travel, now my job was new product development. So we would actually, we would design the new product, we'd create the prototypes, and then we would travel either to Mexico or China, where we would then put the, part, put the parts together on the production line and see what works and what doesn't work. And then we would iterate, but we couldn't do that with the pandemic. So we ended up having to do that from home. And so what that led to late nights, long hours, and eventually I burned out and said, I got to do something different. And that's how I found myself reading other books, learning about commercial real estate, all different types of alternative investments and starting to think that maybe the path that I was on was not the right path within engineering and that I wanted to focus more on investments and where I ultimately landed with self-storage uh, facilities and buying and acquiring self-storage facilities. So what exactly is self-storage facilities? What is that? How does that work? So self-storage facilities, they are these facilities that have a number of different unit sizes from five feet by five feet all the way up to 10 feet by 30 feet. They allow people uh, a place to secure their belongings if they can't do that at home. And a lot of times it is to allow people who are moving from one house to another house or from one part of the country to another part of the country. If you've got all your belongings, your furniture, stuff in your basement and you have nowhere to put it, you could store it in a self-storage facility. Usually you've got a fence surrounding the entire facility and then your stuff is inside of a unit that's also locked. And then it's got security and lighting so you can really feel safe that you're belongings are secure there, but it offers you a place to store your belongings that you might not be able to do at home or while you're moving. And you pretty much may begin to make this transition or the initial interest. This had been during the pandemic, correct? That's right. So it was about March, the March time frame. We were coming up on our next prototype build and I was scheduled to uh, fly to China and I was going to be there for a couple weeks. And then when the remote work or work from home situation started to become a thing. We then had to figure out and pivot how to learn what we would learn on the assembly line, but learn that from thousands of miles away. So we were up late at night looking at the assembly line on just videos and pictures and on conference calls every single night, even through the weekend, because with all of the economic uncertainty, businesses were saying, hey, we need to get the product out on schedule, even though the world is shut down. We got to figure out a way how to do this. And so the team and I were able to do that successfully. But after months of doing that, I burnt out. And that's when I started questioning is I, I saw that this was not just like a one-time theme. And even though it was a um, happening during the pandemic, there were plenty of other times where I was working crazy hours, late nights, where I was like, had, I didn't have as much control over my day as I wanted. And so I saw that pattern like continuing and I, that's when I took a step back and said, is this the path that I want to be on or should I consider something else? And so then I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, which just for whatever reason popped up on social media. I was not a reader. I didn't read any books since that's why I went into engineering. I didn't want to read anything. 
in school, they make you read books. And then I would do the bare minimum. I just really didn't like books or reading or writing. And so I guess I was a little desperate at that point. I was like accepting and willing um, to consider changes. And then I saw that book pop up on social media. I read that one and it just opened my eyes to passive income assets versus liabilities. Like I thought that I knew, I thought that I knew about investments and saving and budgeting, but I, it made me realize that I knew very little. And that then made me just become a lot more curious and, and wondering what else don't I know that I thought I knew previously. And currently, are you operating your self-storage facilities full-time or are you also working within new product development? So I ended up leaving my full-time job in October of 2022, so about eight or nine months ago. I was, so the transition was as I, I was continuing as a full-time mechanical engineer, but then starting to learn about commercial real estate on the side before work, after work, and on the weekends. And then because I had this background or a lot of engineers probably experience this as like analysis paralysis. We love the data. We want more data in it. Sometimes that can be to our detriment. We might not move forward because we don't think we have enough data. And that was me. And so because of that, I was really risk adverse. So what I ended up doing was joining a couple of coaching programs, just like Action Academy, but one that was specific for multifamily investments. And that allowed me to be surrounded by the right people who were doing the same thing, who thought what I wanted to do was actually easy rather than a lot of my family and friends think I'm crazy or that they have no idea what I'm doing. It makes no sense to them. They tell me all the time how risky it is, but they really don't know what's what I'm doing. So I wanted to surround myself with the right people who could motivate me and keep me going and hold me in check. And so that's what I ended up doing. And I kept, I was trying to find ways that I could add value to other experienced investors. So I was looking for properties, leveraging my skills that I learned as an engineer for analysis and systems and processes. So I was learning how to underwrite apartment buildings so that I could find a facility and bring it to an investor. And that's how I could get myself into a deal. And so that's what I ended up doing. And then the coach that I was, the coach that I was provided with in the coaching community actually switched into self-storage. And that's how I started getting interested in self-storage. I joined him on a couple deals, really started to like it. And then that's when I said, you know what, I'm going to focus entirely on self-storage and leverage the skills that I've learned as an engineer to help me grow my business. Can you... Tell me more about the moment that you made that first real estate investment. I don't know if it, it was the self-storage or how did that feel stepping into that new arena? Yeah, so I think I did two within a month of each other, which was I hadn't done any real estate investments for my entire life. And then all of a sudden I had two opportunities. And generally when you are investing into a syndication or a joint venture, you are bringing in a significant amount of money in typical Traditional investments like stocks and bonds, you can put five bucks, 10 bucks, 20 bucks into uh, a stock. And it's, that's maybe not so scary. But then when you start looking at a syndication, it might be $50,000 minimum. Sometimes it's even more than that. And my first investment was a little bit more, was a little bit less than that. And it was extremely scary for me because again, it was the most amount of money. I had never moved around that amount of money before. It was really scary for me but because of that, it forced me to do a lot of due diligence and a lot of underwriting and analyzing of the property. So I was doing as much due diligence on the team and on the property that I could 
with the knowledge and skill set that I had. The toughest thing was that I recognized that I was relatively new and was still learning. So I knew there was a lot more that I just didn't know. But I think that's the case with any new venture. At some point, you got to get your feet wet. You got to take a, you got to do your best, put your best foot forward and then take that step. And then you're going to learn a lot in the process. So you're just trying to do your due diligence to minimize the risk as much as you can. But at the end of the day, you have to take that action and to learn what works and what doesn't work. And then you keep iterating from there. So are you saying that your first that you started off as an LP? Limited partner. Yep. So my first, my very first one was as an LP in a apartment building in Ohio. And it was just a small limited partner position, relatively small for real estate speaking investment. And so that was my first one. And then very soon after I ended up joining a joint venture on the self-storage side, like a 20,000 square foot facility down in Louisiana. And that one, I was a active partner, flew down for due diligence, met the team there, met with the inspector, went through all of the work that needed to be done because it was a value add facility. What work needs to be done? Because it was a little, it was mom and pop run, little bit deferred maintenance that we needed to take care of. So going through working with the team on operations and all of that. So I did both of those deals, I think within a month of each other, about four or five months into joining that coaching program. So you went from no real estate experience to being a limited partner and then joining a joint venture. That's right. It's as if your life just, it was a whole 180. It's been a complete 180 the last couple of years. Did you have any initial hesitations or reservations when you were began transitioning from what we call that secure W2 to now take this path as a real estate investor? So it was about two years to like to transition from no real estate experience, not even being on the radar for me to leaving my W2. And I had consistently I'd say at least six days a week, most of the time, seven days a week, put at least an hour to two hours a day into real estate, building my network, joining a couple of communities like coaching programs and surrounding myself with the right people, analyzing deals. So there was a lot of background work that went into it. And also I hired a high performance coach to help me work on my mindset to get rid of those, like some of those limiting beliefs, some of the analysis paralysis challenges that I've had to prepare me to be able to leave my job. Every step is, is quite scary, right? Like the first one where you're moving ten, tens of thousands of dollars into a deal, recognizing that you're relatively new, you don't know what you don't know, are you making a huge mistake or are you gonna lose it all? So there, and I ended up, that deal already went full cycle and I ended up making like a 30% return on that money. So my first investment went really well. And then the self-storage deal that I'm in right now is also going really well. And even now there's some uncertain times with the economy and interest rates where they're at, and we're starting to now hold more money in reserves. And so this is a time that I've never been through myself. And so it's uncertain, but I still feel confident because I've surrounded myself with the right people. I've been educating. I'm not just jumping into a deal on my own, thinking that I can do the whole thing on my own. I've surrounded myself with other partners who have lots of years of experience within real estate. And that's really helped me with make, taking that con- kind of consistent action and actually getting into deals. What, what were some of the significant challenges you faced? 
say real estate has its ups and downs. So I'd love to learn about some of the challenges you faced, especially in your early days. Yeah. So the, I guess we could go into one of the deal, the deal that I did last year, which really helped me to be able to leave my job. That was the one where I learned the most. I had the most skin in the game and there was a lot of lessons learned there. So what I ended up doing at the end of 2021 was I was trying to find a way that I could add as much value to my coach who was just switching into self-storage. He had just switched into self-storage, was doing a couple deals, and I wanted to be a part of more of those deals. And he had really strong on-market lead flow, but he wasn't focusing on off-market. Off-market would be just going direct to the seller or direct to the owner, really. They might not even be selling. You're calling them to see, hey, do you have any interest in selling? I'd like to learn more about this market. I'm and you can just start building relationships with them. And then over time, you want them to be thinking of you when it comes time to sell. They might tell you that they're not selling for 10 years, but then something comes up in life, whether they need to move or retire or a medical emergency, and now all of a sudden they need to sell. So you're trying to build that relationship, nurture that relationship over time so that they think of you. And so my coach didn't have all of those, he didn't have the time to do that because he had so many deals going on. And I thought, this is how I can add value to him. I can hire a cold caller, I can put the process in place, leverage my skill set of systems and processes and and analysis, and I can build an acquisition team where we're reaching out to owners, seeing if they're interested, I can do the underwriting, and then I can bring a deal to my coach and say, hey, I've got this great opportunity, I'd love to partner with you on it, and recognize that I'm going to take a smaller piece of the deal to do that. So that was my idea. So I ended up hiring a cold caller out of the Philippines and putting in a process so that we would build a list of self-storage facilities. So I identified cities and states that I was interested in and put a whole process in place. Here's exactly how I, I want to build the list. So I had my cold caller actually build the list, skip trace to find the owner information, pull all that information into CRM, and then start calling. And six weeks after we started calling, we ended up finding an owner in Massachusetts who was interested in selling. And so we, he said, hey, it was funny because he said, I send, have him send me an email. I don't want to deal with someone salesy on the phone. And I was like, good, I don't know the first thing about sales. So this is perfect. I'd rather email you anyways. So I ended up, we ended up touring it like the next weekend. And he's great. So you like, we toured it. It looked, it looked like a great value add facility. And he offered me seller financing. And I put in my first LOI out two or three weeks later, and I overanalyzed the heck out of that. Should I offer this? Should I change this term? And eventually after a week, I was like, you just got to move forward. And I sent him the deal. I sent him the offer and I called him up five minutes later and he accepted like on the spot. He read it. He's like, give me a second. I'll pull over. He pulled over, read it. And he goes, yep, I accept. And I was like, oh my God, I didn't expect it to be this easy. And so we ended up getting it under contract. And I did what's called a phase one, environmental phase one, which is basically looking at the history of the property. What's the likelihood that there's chemicals or environmental hazards on the property? And it ended up not passing the phase one. And we had to go to phase two just because it was an older building. It was used previously used as a mill. And so it ended up having some risk there. But the challenge here is that I was putting up all of that money myself. So at-risk capital will that term will come up quite a bit. When you've got a property under contract, you've got to hire an attorney, you're doing an inspection, phase one, possibly an appraisal, a survey, all of these things take time and cost money. Someone's got to put that money up front. So 
I one of the biggest lessons learned for me was that I should partner with someone who's got a lot of liquidity and is able to is and it's not so stressful for them to pay for these things up front because I was paying for these things up front. So now all of a sudden I'm twenty twenty five thousand dollars into paying for all of the for the attorney and for all these inspections. And I was also getting married at that time too. So now I tapped out a lot of my liquidity and it became really stressful. So that was one of the biggest lessons learned for me was partnerships. Just speaking of partnerships, I actually ended up bringing this deal to my coach and saying, I know this deal is a little bit smaller than your buy box, what the properties that you're interested in, but I think it's a great value add property and I think we can make money on this. If I give you a percentage of the deal, will you partner with me and coach and mentor me? I'll figure out the lending. I'll figure out the down payment and the capital and I'll figure all that out. I just need you to guide me and keep me on the right path. And so that's what I ended up doing was bringing it to him, even though it didn't fit into his criteria. And that way I was able to learn what I needed to learn, but firsthand and, and learn a lot of those things that I wouldn't have learned if I was a really small partner in the deal. Yeah, the power of partnerships. Exactly. Like, I, I like to say that I'd rather have, I'd rather have 10% of a watermelon than 100% of a grape. Yep. Then since your time investing, really said, no, you've talked about this story of how the ups and downs and the challenges, what has been your most rewarding investment or achievement so far within throughout your career? So it was that deal exactly that we were just talking about. So what we ended up doing was, so I was going to, my plan was to buy and hold. It was a value add facility. It was run mom and traditional mom and pop runs. They didn't have any, anything automated. They were still taking cash. The website was maybe 20 years old. They weren't advertising. Rents hadn't been raised in 20 years. Occupancy was high, but a lot of people weren't paying because they weren't kicking people out. So there was a lot of value add opportunity. But I mentioned that it was an older building that had been converted into storage. And so with that came a, a lot more construction and CapEx budget than I had originally planned for. And with me being a relatively newer investor, I was starting to realize that the construction project that this was going to be was a lot bigger of a project than maybe a, a newbie should be taking on, especially someone that just didn't have a construction pro project management background. So I had actually reached out to a friend who I met through another coaching community. And the reason I knew to reach out to him was he shared one of his wins on social media where he was able to do a double close on a storage facility. So he had basically, um, they had bought the facility in the morning and then they turned around and sold it to a different investor that afternoon. And he was able to make a spread on that just in one day. And it was six figures that he was able to make in just one day. And so that really intrigued me. It was like, geez, it takes me as an engineer a year to make six figures. How did this guy do six figures in a basically a day? Of course, there's like work leading up to it, but essentially he got paid that much money in one day. And that intrigued me. So I reached out to him and he helped me with, hey, let's see if we could, what would this look like if we were to wholesale it? How much money can we make? Is there still value left that the buyer can obtain? Can the buyer still make money if we wholesale it? So we ended up looking into it and figured out that we could. And then he helped me market it. And we wanted to find an experienced buyer who really knew what they were doing. Someone with construction background, someone with a lot of 
liquidity and assets under management, someone with a lot of experience, because again, we recognize that this property actually needed a lot more work than I had anticipated. And this is one of those things, it's a lesson learned. If I had more experience, I, might have, I probably would have recognized that up front and said, okay, this is a bigger project. And is this something that I want to take on at this time in my life or not? So this is what this is one of my lessons learned. So we ended up wholesaling it and we assigned it for over $200,000 assignment fee. And I ended up netting myself over $100,000 just for the work that I did, which was, again, finding the property, getting it under contract. And then I ended up doing a lot of the inspection work as if I was going to acquire it because I thought that was my plan. And then we ended up switching directions. I still ended up netting myself six figures which was incredible to me because it took me like eight years as an engineer to hit that number as a salary. And then I, within a year and a half, was able to do just that with a lot less time in the real estate space. Oh man, that, that note that you just mentioned about, it took you eight years to hit that six figures within engineering. But after a year and a half of constant grind and sacrifice, you were able to hit that. So clearly, the concept, one of the things really interesting, the concept of what we consider secure. Okay, this is that secure job, but at the same time, there are certain barriers and limits, right? But when it comes to these alternative investments, they're disguised the limit. It's, it comes to your work ethic, the opportunities that you get, being in the right place, knowing the right people. Exactly, yeah. I started to, and the thing is that uh, for many people, a job, is the right career for them. It's just that I started questioning it and I had this vision of this financial freedom vision. And I actually didn't know that was the term for it until of course I read like Rich Dad, Poor Dad. But I always thought that I would in time through this high paying engineering job would get to this, would be able to retire early, do a lot of traveling, push off a lot. What a lot of people think, right? I'm going to try to retire early and then I'm going to travel. Then I'm going to quote, enjoy life. And I thought that's what I would do too. But then I started questioning that. And then it was like, I busted my, I busted my butt this year and I got a 4% raise. If I keep just getting 4% raises and inflation at the time, inflation wasn't six or 7%, but was like 3%. I was like, all right, I'm only really getting 1% ahead every year. Am I really going to get where I want to be in the time frame that I want? to get there. And that's where I was questioning it. But as you mentioned in real estate or in some of these other investments, that there's a lot more scalability and a lot higher potential for you to really scale that, scale your wealth, not just 1% a year or 2% a year. It could be 100%, 200% a year if you make the right investments and make the right decisions. And one of the things that's all, that's been on my mind for a while is People say retire early, like the concept of retire early, that's a scam within itself. Yes, I think like, so. Retirement is not even an age. It's merely an equation. Yes. So it's like we've been pushed to understand that retirement means 65. Mm -hmm. So that means, okay, hey, I'm going to retire early, which is naturally within your mindset to put limitations on yourself. But it's just... Hey, as long as the, you have passive income that is able to sustain your daily life, that you can be considered yourself retired and do what you want to do and what makes you happy. Yeah, it's, 
it's funny. I don't even the word. I haven't even thought of the word retire in since I since I left my my job. A lot of people in their jobs talk about retirement. Probably one because they re, whether they realize it or not, their job isn't really allowing them to live the life that they necessarily want. And so a lot of people are looking forward to retirement or thinking about. As a 25 year old, I was thinking, okay, 40 years until retirement. But as a 32 year old now, I'm not. It's I haven't even thought. Okay, 33 years till retirement, because now I'm able to do work that I really enjoy, and I can do it from wherever I want and whenever I want. Like we just got back from a three week road trip, drove down to South Carolina, Georgia, Washington D.C. Had my computer with me. I recorded episodes for my own podcast. I made. Five or six offers on storage facilities had several, like some phone calls as well, and I blended in the real estate work with the lifestyle that I want, which is to be able to travel. And so, because of that, I'm not really thinking about a life that I want to retire from or a career that I want to retire from, which is a complete again 180 from where I, what I was thinking two years ago, which is. Okay, how many years until retirement? Maybe if I save, if I save all my pennies, maybe I can retire at fifty nine or fifty five, and then I can start traveling. Right? No, I one hundred percent feel that. And so now I'm curious, as a successful engineer turned real estate investor, what insights or lessons have you gained during this journey that? that you would like to share with our listeners who are potentially looking to make that take that same journey. Yeah, I think one of the most important things is to figure out why you would want to look at alternative investments, whether it's real estate or business or anything else. This is something that I've contemplated quite a bit because each investment offers you different pros and cons. Some provide you with more cash flow and less wealth building or slower wealth building, and others are the exact reverse. And that's where I think it's important to get clear on your why or your goals. If you love your job and you don't intend to, you don't intend to leave. It's a high-paying job. You love the work. You love the people. You love the company. But you want to be that you could be building wealth over many years. Commercial real estate is probably a great. Option for you, whether it's multifamily or self storage, but on the flip side, if you are dreading your job and you maybe realize that you're not on the path that you want to be on, you might want to replace your income as quickly as possible, or maybe not even replace your income, but maybe want to cover your expenses so that you could at least just get out of your job. Other investments that are higher cash flow investments, maybe like an Airbnb, might be better options. And so, it first starts though with getting clear on like why is it that you actually want to leave, and the why needs to be really important because at the end of a eight-hour workday or ten-hour workday, probably the last thing you want to do is go sit at your desk and then go do more work on like real estate or something else. It's a lot. It's a lot extra. It's very easy to just instead say, "Hey, I'm gonna grab a drink and watch a movie and then go to sleep." And so that's why having the strong enough why reminds you every day what to do this work. And it that why could be, hey, I recognize that I'm not able to go to my kids' sports games after work because 
work generally goes late and now I miss practice or I miss this, or maybe I want to be a coach for my kids one day. And so I really want to have the flexibility that a real estate investor or a business owner might have. So I'm going to start now and build up and replace my income so that I can do this. So that's where I think that's one of the biggest lessons for me is, or that I would want to share is figure out why you want to do this and make sure it's a strong why because waking up early or staying up late, working when you're tired to make sure that you're continuing to progress this over a long period of time is difficult. And so you need to have that strong why. Yeah. And for yourself, what's your, I know you had mentioned that you had gun as an LP within a multifamily investment, correct? Now, what is your current portfolio? What do you currently have going on? Yeah, so I'm an LP in 203 units of multifamily, and then I am on. I'm a general partner in about 60,000 square feet of self storage, and then I had that that the wholesale deal that I did last year. Still in a little bit in multifamily, and then in a couple deals in self storage, and that's actually again we talked about the L, LP investment. That's when I started to, there's another great example of why it's important to be clear on what your why is. And so an LP investment is a very passive investment. You're really just wiring, you do some due, upfront due diligence, you wire the money, and then you collect like a quarterly distribution. It's very passive, very low work. So that's a great option for someone who's got a lot of money and not a lot of time. So maybe doctors, lawyers, maybe even engineers, if they love their job, they don't have any intention to leave, they're not going to go spend hours a day learning this whole new industry and investment vehicle, that might be a great option. But what I realized for me is that, that option as an LP, even though I am an LP in a couple deals, it wasn't as aligned with my why and my vision and my short-term goals as I needed it to be because I didn't have a ton of cash in the bank to be able to invest into a syndication to replace all my income. And at a 7% to 10% cash on cash return, the returns are great, but they're not enough to replace my income in the time frame that I had. Whereas an Airbnb might be 60% cash on cash return. It's six times more cash flow. So that's where knowing your why and then doing some research into the different types of vehicles, I think is really important to make sure that your investment vehicle aligns with your short-term and your long-term goals. Yeah, that's a great point because I know there are several people who really love what they're doing and their goal is to leverage their income to be able to create more wealth or just be able to give themselves options to really work on their own terms mm -hmm. right and they don't want to go and learn they don't want to be the operators they want to just partner with experienced operators bring capital and then get the quote-unquote mailbox money and there's nothing wrong with that it's all depending on yeah exactly 100 percent okay now we're going to go into the last part of the interview, which we call the rapid blueprint. We ask these five questions to every single guest. The first one is, what book would you suggest, one book, to, any, to every engineer turned investor? 
So I, I think this is one that's recommended quite a bit, but I would, I talked about it already, which would be just rich dad, poor dad. It really opened my eyes in terms of thinking about assets, liabilities, passive income, tax depreciation, and just how the financial markets kind of work. I thought I had a really good understanding of that. And it was just written in a way that really resonated with me and made me question like all of the decisions that I had made. Even I used to pour all my money into my 401k. I used to max that out. And then he had a completely different perspective on that. And I was like, this is the first time I've ever heard anyone question the 401k and whether or not that's a good investment vehicle. And it really got me questioning and curious. And then that was the start of me going down this path. And I hear that for a lot of people as well. So that's the book that I, I would recommend. Okay. So shout out to Robert K. Robert Kiyosaki. Leading you yeah. to where you are now. Yeah. <laughs> and what do people misunderstand about you most? It's funny. I was just talking with my wife about that. I was like, what do people misunderstand about me? And recently it's been like family and friends not understanding why I'm, why I left my job, which seemed so safe and secure and high paying, why I would leave that. And some of them think it's risky and silly and something I'm just being like lazy. And they're saying, oh, that's really, must be nice. Or oh, you'll learn one day. I think they don't really, they don't understand because I'm doing, I'm starting to go down a path that's not traditional. And there's not many people, like I don't, I didn't know any before joining these groups. I didn't know anybody else who did this. So it didn't make sense to me either. I actually had a friend several years ago that left engineering and it didn't make sense to me. I was like, oh, that seems like a silly idea. Like you've got this high paying job. Like I was saying the same thing and I really misunderstood. And now she's doing fantastic and has her own completely new business that she's completely thriving at. And it didn't make sense to me at the time. And now that's starting to happen to me where most of my family and friends say, I don't get what you're doing. I don't understand it. That's not something you should do without thinking about it. You just hear all of the limiting beliefs and criticisms and stuff like that. So it's been a little challenging because it's, and this is why you need to surround yourself with the right people in the right communities, because then like you and I can have conversations about multifamily and investing in real estate all day long, and it feels normal. So it's been, a, it's actually been something that's challenging for me with uh, friends and family, because I've almost lost like the thing, something to communicate with them, be on the same level. Yeah, no, it makes sense. It's like a lot of times in within conversations, the first thing is, oh, hey, how's work? Yep. And when you're doing something that is considered abstract, it's like, wait, what's yeah. that? And then you, they might not know what to ask. So then it's like, we just, it just gets derailed. And it's, so I, that's, that's actually been a recent struggle of mine is like having conversations because I'm so interested in investments and multifamily and economy and all of this, and most of a lot of my friends and family just aren't. So it's, again, surrounding yourself with the right tribe, the right community is, is really important. Yeah, quick sidebar. So what was the response of your coworkers, manager, once you said that you were leaving? Yes. They were quite surprised because I, I kept, I was very careful to keep business and real estate separate times, like different equipment, 
I wanted, I did not want to blend or muddy the waters with like my career, like my W-2 career and my real estate side hustle at the time. And so everyone was very surprised to learn that I had a podcast, that I had been investing for uh, for years, that I had made significant, somewhat sig- relatively significant money in a different way, they were like, it was like, who the heck are you? <laughs> but I, I, that was intentional because I didn't, I wanted to make sure everything was just kept separate. And that is a challenge. I think that's a, I think it's very important too, is that if you're committed to working for a company, you want to be, have good integrity. You want to make sure you're putting your best foot forward with a company because that's what you've signed yourself up to do and you want to be a good steward of that. But at the same time, that doesn't mean you can't at the same time have a side hustle. And instead of hobbies like going out and drinking on the weekend, you could be learning and educating on alternative investments. And that's what I was doing. I had replaced my other hobbies, a lot of them with education and investing and going to conferences and learn and meeting new people, right? That became my hobby. What's one piece of advice you'd give to engineers who are hesitant to take this leap into real estate investing? Yeah, I think it is to join coaching programs or communities. It can just be just one. For me, I struggled with analysis paralysis. I, when I started and learned, I read Rich Dad Poor Dad, then all of a sudden I was reading book after book, one about storage, then mobile home parks, then stocks, and then Airbnbs, and then single family, and then fix and flip. I was educating myself a lot. And I think that's really important to start because there's so many options. You don't, and in the beginning, you don't know what is going to align or resonate with you. But eventually I found that I was now just consuming a lot of content and not taking action. So I was watching all these YouTube videos and I'm like, this is great, look how productive I'm being, but I wasn't being productive. I was learning, but at some point, you need to take action. And then you start to hear some stories of people. Yeah, I read books for 10 years and I wish I would have just got started or I thought about doing real estate for 10 years and I haven't done it. And I was like, oh shoot, I'm starting to fall into that pattern. And I was listening to a podcast and he had said, those of you with analysis paralysis, like you need education, you need coaching, you need a community. And I was like, wow, I I felt like he was talking to me. And that's a, so I, ended, I actually ended up joining his coaching program and that's where I met my coaches and all of, all, a lot of the multifamily investors that I'm connected with. And every deal I've done since then has been partnered with people that I've met within that community over the last couple of years. So I would say the most important thing when you're getting started is to surround yourself with like-minded people. A lot of times that's within a coaching community because they're going to have done what you've done there's going to be experienced people in there who've solved the issues that you're running into. And that can also coach you through even just like, not just the technical stuff, but like the emotional side, the mental side. Cause you're, for me, I was an engineer for 10 years, but then four years before that was in school. And I was on this path for half of my life. And now all of a sudden I'm completely switching it. And those questions are going to come up. Am I doing the right thing? Am I making the right moves? Am I going to lose money on this? If like, I've now put most of my money into investments now on multifamily or multifamily and storage, which is very different from what I was doing previously. Am I like 
retirement? Am I ruining like my potential for retirement if like, I make the wrong decisions now? So like having a coach or a community is I think the number one thing I would recommend. Where do you see your real estate investment journey taking you in the next five years? Yeah, so my goal for just this year is to buy $10 million of self-storage facilities and have $10 million of assets under management. And then within three years to be at $50 million of assets under management. So we are buying value-add facilities that need work. So raise rents, improve occupancy. Maybe they were mom and pop run, poor website or no website, and we can bring in technology, convert them to the remote management model where you have a boots on the ground person who drives by the facility once or twice a week and does overlocks and things like that. So I've got I'm starting to put all the pieces in place to be able to build a portfolio, my own portfolio, where I'm the primary principal and partner in, and then bring investors and family members in so that they can participate in the benefits of real estate investing, not just the cash flow, but also the tax appreciation and all of that. So my goal is to just continue building up portfolio to take advantage of the cash flow, as well as all of the other uh, benefits that come with real estate investing. And then if you're focused on these value-out deals within self-storage, and I assume that there are multiple people who are focused on these, aren't there, how, how is it that you're able to find deals? Is there not, especially people talk about the market, is, do you, how do you do it? Yeah, so I ended up hiring um, two virtual assistants, and that's the team that I have right now is me plus two virtual assistants. And we built that off-market list and start, we've been cold calling consistently, and we'll be bringing, introducing direct mail very soon as well. So we're sending mail to the owners, not just at the, not at just the facility, but at their home directly. And then I also hired a, an analyst or an underwriter to help underwrite on-market deals as well. So we're looking both off and on-market. We're looking at 30 to 40 deals a month and making two to three offers a week. So there are a number of deals that are out there right now on market. And then there are a number of owners out there that may be selling in six months, a year, three years. So we're just being consistent and really it's a numbers game and it's consistency. And yes, it's tough. The interest rates are much higher now and there's kind of a spread between what sellers are looking for and what buyers can pay. A year ago, there was uh, multiple offers going out on a property. There was bidding wars, all this stuff. Sellers were getting top dollar, but then interest rates changed. And now buyers can't pay as much because if 70% of the money that they're borrowing is now at 7% or 8%, it's a lot. They can't just, they just can't pay as much. So it's been tough, but that's where some creative financing has come into play working directly with a seller. You can negotiate special terms and you can still get deals done. So there are still people doing deals. It's tougher because it's harder to get lending and it's harder to sometimes to find capital because there's so much question and concern with what's going on in the economy, but people are still getting deals done. Okay, man, I keep on, get, I keep on getting distracted, man. They're, all your answers are causing more questions <laughs> upon questions. Yeah, and then the last question, in just three steps, can you outline a simple blueprint for engineers who want to start their journey in real estate investing? Yeah, I would say, I think again, it starts, start with your why. I would ask yourself, 
why it is that you want to invest. Is it for your family? Is it to build wealth for many generations? Is it to replace your income? So get clear on your why. And then I would say I would start doing some education and just networking, getting onto social media, see who's in the space that you might be interested in. Again, I was reading books, but I would say books, podcasts, and YouTube, you can start to see what investment vehicles out there align with your why. And then I would, for me, it was very important to join a coaching community. So I'd say, start with your why, general education to figure out what, what you're interested in and what aligns with your why, and then get a coach or join a community where you can then jumpstart your education and learn from people who've already done it. All right, mic drop. Awesome. Yeah. And yeah, so no, thank you so much for that. And in general, I want to say thank you for coming on to the Engineers That Invest podcast today. It's a long time coming and especially being a fellow member of the Action Academy means a lot to have you here today. And if people wanted to learn more about you, learn about your journey, learn about the deals that you're potentially doing. How could they reach out to you? Yeah, I think through my podcast, actually, School of Success podcast would be the best way. I, I record five episodes a week, Monday through Friday, where I'm sharing a lot of what I've learned since joining, since switching from being engineering into the commercial real estate space. We talk about personal development, mindset self-storage and anything that I've learned within business as well. So every time I learn something new, I'll create an episode on it just to help others out. And then within there, I've got all my, the links to my social media so you can reach out directly to me on social media there. All right, awesome, sounds great. So yeah, thanks again for coming on today and I'll see the guests on the next episode of Engineers That Invest. All right, thanks for having me. You've been listening to Engineers That Invest. If you're an engineer or other busy professional and you want to learn how to build passive income, this show teaches you how through real estate investments. We'll give you all the tips and tools you need to retire on your own terms and spend more time with your families. We hope you've enjoyed the show and we hope we've helped empower you to take control of your financial future. If you enjoyed the show, make sure to like, rate, and review. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, you can get our free guide on passive income through multifamily investing at engineersthatinvest.com. And follow on Instagram at Proportunity Partners. See you next time on Engineers That Invest.